Coming up on this episode of the Super Pessis Roundup podcast, we take a look at the latest semi-final results, the relegation series, and all the latest news and goings-on. That's all coming up in the latest episode of the Super Pessis Roundup podcast. Welcome to episode 33 of the Super Pessis Roundup podcast. I'm your host, Ian Alba, and joining me as ever is our resident coach and expert on all things Pes Apollo. It's Mikko Pirhonen. Mikko, how are you doing? Uh, busy, which is good at this time of year because, uh, yeah, we've been talking about, uh, like, we're getting to the like towards the end of the season, but uh, I think that this particular time is probably the best because you get all kinds of really high stakes, decisive games on every level. So like uh, every day you're going to find that, oh, there's this game and this game. And uh, yeah, so it's good to see the lots of emotions and uh, tight games. So. Uh, good time of the year. Yeah, it's certainly um, really exciting at the moment. There's lots to watch. Uh, if anything, there's not enough time or hours to watch everything um, in uh, in as much detail as certainly I'd like to. Especially because, of course, uh, in my role doing the stuff with uh, Harmina, um, both their men's and women's team are now in the finals of the Ecospecies <laughs> series. So... Um, yeah, lots and lots of games as well there. So, as well as the games themselves, we've actually seen a, a couple of uh, news stories in particular. Um, the first story I wanted to talk about is not so much uh, who will be at any games, but who won't be at any of the high-level games. And it's actually quite a... A controversial decision by the league. A lot of people have been speaking out about this, but uh, the top referees, uh, widely credited as such by, by fans, players, coaches alike, will not be seen for the remainder of the postseason if the league's uh, ruling still stands. Um, Mika, what's going on there? The reason is quite simple. I mean, they were the uh, umpires in one of those uh, high stakes games, uh, like in on Pesis level, Bouillon Pesis versus Alayarbi. And uh, in all fairness, they did miss one incident where, like, the game manager of Bouillon was walking behind the back of the pitching umpire uh, in the exchange of like uh, between the innings and he went to like uh, I don't know uh, provocate the 
uh, Alajärvi players and managers and like game manager and coaches and stuff like that by celebrating uh, in front of them. And that went uh, unnoticed from that like umpires couple. So it was like as an incident uh, taken apart from the context. Yes, it is definitely worth a yellow card, if not a red one at that. But but if we're talking about the whole concept, I think that it's just borderline ridiculous that that's the reason why they are not a part of the postseason anymore. Because it's like you said, I mean, there there are particular, uh, perfectly good umpires still there, but now the now, now the pressure is even more higher on them because everybody knows that, like you said, the widely credited uh, number one or now that the Raudian and brothers are uh, rising up. To be also a contender, to be like they, they actually won the so-called golden whistle, which is like uh, voted amongst the players and coaches. Uh, those two, those two pairs have been like uh, a bit a notch above the rest, and now the Brautian and brothers and their whole uh, umpire unit will not be able to take place uh, in the postseason for uh, personal reasons uh, that much. I mean, they will be umpiring one men's sem- semifinal game, but that's all there is on their list right now, because one of them, is, one of their, um, one of the umpires there is expecting uh, their families is expecting a baby any any given day so it's like uh it's anybody's guess but now there are two pairs like out of the equation so uh, i don't know it's uh for me it's like a unnecessary slap on the wrist which can have a huge effect because, like you said, everybody's talking about it, and the players are talking about it, and the people. In the... So now that if there will be any hassle, like <laughs> with the umpires, we all know where the discussion is going to be pointing towards. To. So that's yeah. Well, it's it it really is a bizarre situation because, like you say, you want the best umpires out there to be um to be calling the most important games that's the whole point of it and okay so maybe they missed something in in that game uh the Uka Spaces uh, semi-final game um <laughs> one of the things um just made me think well like, you wonder how much of a, a provocation it was if the pitching umpire <laughs> didn't notice it and they were right next to uh, these things happening, um, how much of a um, provocation it really was, but yeah, it's it's unnecessary. I think it's taking away from the focus 
of what have otherwise been some incredible games. And we've actually seen, um, as I went through the statistics, um, a bit of a, a an anomaly in the postseason because we've seen two teams who were outside the top four in the regular season make it through to the semi-finals in the Super Pesis era. That's only happened once before in 2012. So this is quite an exciting um, set of results that we've seen. We'll, we'll talk about those in a minute. But the the edge has been taken off all of that and mired by this kind of this argument, like you say, um, and the pressure for very good umpires is now going to be on. Um, they're going to worry and struggle to make the calls, and it's not an easy job. Um, we we talked about this um, last year when we interviewed Jesse Makinen. Um, it's a there are a lot of difficult decisions and calls that are being made in games, often very, very quickly. You're bound to get some things being missed in a game situation. It seems a bit heavy-handed by the league, but there we are. That's the decision, and uh, we'll just have to uh, carry on uh, as we were. But um, it it is a bit of a distraction um so far now the results that, um in the first round fell in such a way that we've seen the final games for two very important players first of course uh, Sami Partanen who uh, we've spoken about a number of times on the on the podcast incredible player uh, incredible character as well by all accounts very um very good teammate and very uh very good leader uh on a team as well but um obviously Miko from that part of of Finland um what are your thoughts on Sami Partanen I mean it's even hard to find words to I praise him high enough I mean uh yes as a player uh we're talking about uh, probably in his position, uh, the all-time great. I mean, he's definitely in the top three, and uh, there's there's a strong argument that he's the best. And in addition to that, he's like when 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 you end up like discussing the Sapalo with him, that's that's something that is so level-headed, and he has those like he's he lives and breathes the game. He like has its the pieces together, and uh, he, tactically he knows like he's he's two steps ahead all the time. So it was like one of the most. Uh, how should I put it? If I think about the situations when I've learned the most about uh, Besapallo in general, uh, have been the games where I have been the game manager against his team in the like the junior games and, and the older groups at that. So they actually have the 
like the physical capacity to play the game on a good level. So we got to actually play uh, quite good games against each other. So it was building a strategy against him and his team was was something that I enjoyed enormously. And uh, but as a player, I, I think that there's, there's one quote that I've been using quite a bit that a former teammate of mine and also a former teammate of his uh, from the championship years in Kite was uh, Jan Nemonni, uh, one of the uh, legends of the game himself. He said that if you, if you weigh up the situation as a batter and you come up with the solution that you're gonna go one-on-one against Samei Parathanen. Just, <laughs> just throw, throw it to the trash bin altogether and think the whole situation from the start because that conclusion is never gonna be the right one. I mean that's that's not the situation that you're gonna end, that you want to end up like in so so yeah uh one hundred percent a future super game manager if he wants to uh one of the smart one of the best best minds that I have ever come across to and uh if he wants to, he can be in one of the all-time greats, also as a game manager. So that's my opinion. Well, one of my um, favourite memories um, goes back actually to the COVID year. It was the opening game for Yoansu in uh, 2020. And um, Sami Partanen was playing for IPV at the time. And the game went to a scoring contest and... Sammy comes in, every, everybody's sitting back in the field. They're expecting a, a, a hard hit. And he just plays this, this short hit so beautifully and unexpectedly that ultimately helps IPV win the game. It was, it was remarkable. And, and that's, what I, that's the kind of thing I think about when I think of the kind of tactical brilliance that he has. And it's the execution of it as well. Because he made it look so good and so easy. And like you say, if you're going one-on-one, you might as well forget it. But there we are. So um, an incredibly talented man who will be an incredibly talented game manager if he chooses to do so uh, in the future, I have no doubt. Uh, we also saw a uh, retirement of uh, Yannick Vipelto, who's... Uh, postseason was cut short when uh, KPL were knocked out uh, in the first round. Now we'll talk about that series in, in a little bit. But uh, Kivipelto, we'd seen in the the season uh, go away from the sport for a couple of weeks. Not quite sure um, really what had happened there. But for me, the team didn't really come back that strong afterwards. They seemed to to lose their edge. I mean, we were talking about KPL being a very strong team to start the year, perhaps one of the best lineups that uh, they've had for many years. Um, and yet, 
Yannick Vipelto leaves the sport now without a championship. Do you think that's something that will will haunt him a little bit, or or, or do you think he'll just take it with his stride? I don't know. I mean, I don't think he even he knows like his feelings uh, con- concerning that at this point, because we we all know that uh, in his prime. He was perfectly capable of leading a team uh, to a championship. That's like that's that's a given. Um, and uh, for a couple of years after moving to KPL, I thought that he was the best, like the most complete package uh, as a pitcher that there were that there was, and uh, there was also like reflected in the voting for the pitcher of the year uh, so he was a, he was highly respected among his peers not so much in the italanzi selections or so but that's another story but but yeah like you said when he came back this season maybe not that was not the Yannick Vipelto that we saw before. He was not bad, not definitely not bad, but uh, he was also not great. He was not the reason why KPL lost, but he, but that's also it is also true that he was not able to like carry the team on these situations when he maybe was able to do that before. But but anyway, I thought that. Um, in his like I don't know older years but at the age of 25 plus he took significant strides towards the top and uh, ended his career with uh, like uh, some remarkable years to remember so that's that's a big plus but obviously missing on the championship it's like it's something that he just has to come into terms with. I don't know how he will take it and what's gonna be like his thought process, but I wish him all the best. Likewise, I I, I wish him all the best too. And one of the the memories I have, um, and you talk about sort of a game leader, somebody who really is. Uh, worthy of winning a championship. When I look back at game four from this final series last year against Mansa, so at Kovla, um, he pitched perfectly throughout the game. And it really was a pitching duel between him and Pultimaki. The difference in the game is actually his three RBIs in the game. I mean, you look at the, the batting statistics um three from five attempts none of the jokers um you had Tony Kovanen obviously um Osimerlein and they didn't they didn't have any third base situations to try and score from but Kivipelto was the one who brought the runs in so y- you got a sense from that game and and I'll <laughs> remember it almost was just like everything was Kivipelto that game it was incredible to watch uh, and that's that's the kind of um image I'll, I'll remember 
Um, I wish him all the best in, in the future, as with Sami Partonen, of course. Um, but it is a shame that the postseason ends a little early for him and for KPL. So, other than having a look at some speculation on signings or or anything like that at this stage, we'll probably deal with some of that in the postseason, uh, sorry, the off season, or even um, before we start the the next season next year. Um, let's move to the actual games themselves. So, first of all, we'll talk about the men's uh, series, the first round series, Vimpoli and Kite. Uh, we talked last uh, last podcast episode about how it was likely to be a, a, a Vimpoli victory. Miko, I remember your comments were that you hoped that Bukite did, didn't just sort of disintegrate, I suppose. Uh, they didn't... Um, they didn't sort of lay down and let Vimpoli roll all over them. They actually played a good series, Kite. And I was pleased to see that. And in fact, they, they earned a, a win from it. Um, but ultimately, this Vimpoli side were just far too strong, far too uh, good at executing their um, their game plan. Um, Mikko, are there any other thoughts you have from that series? I was extremely pleased uh, with Kita's level of play. Because I, I thought that at times they played the best that they played the entire season. I mean, when they played Vimpeli away, uh, that was just a bridge too far. And that's like, well, that's that's something that has been the case for anybody this season, to be honest. And uh, but in when they played uh, against Vimpeli. Uh, in Kita, that was like uh, they actually played really well, and it, it was not just taking part of the game and making them even games, but they actually made like they gave them a run for their money, and uh, that was that was a great thing to see. And I, I mean, I think that it also raised the level of Kita's season, so uh, it turned that into a, a bit of a positive for me, that they were actually able to play their best game when it mattered the most, but now it, there was just this... Uh, there was just this three-headed monster against them <laughs> that was just too strong. Yeah. I mean, we talked about... Uh, the chances of Kite completing the series and, and, and winning being almost so remote <laughs> that, it, that it wasn't worth talking about. But um, I think you said it was like 4% or something like that uh, for them for them winning all three games. But actually, when you, when you watch those games and when you look at the results, you think to yourself, OK, well, Vimpoli with a champion they won the series they they were obviously uh championship material uh in that but kitty weren't half bad either they they did really well and so i was really pleased to see that because this season has been pretty so what from kitty they they were never in any real doubt of finishing below eighth and there wasn't really that much chance of getting past teams like Gempele, Tako, 
Yonsu and and all that. So um, they they seem to sort of settle in that eighth spot. But I'm pleased to see that they played um, played well. Vimpli, of course, now um, move on and play against Yonsu in uh, the semi-finals. Uh, Yonsu surprised almost everybody um, by beating Sotkamon to make the uh, semi-finals. Ron said on the podcast last time he thought that uh, Yonsu would, would make it. I, I thought it's going to go to five games. On the podcast, I said, well, maybe Sotkamon will edge it. But that was that was an incredible result for them. And this is a team that um, we've talked about lacking leaders and leadership quality um, throughout the season. But um, ultimately, they they seem to make quite light work out of, of Sotkamon in the end. And... Um, Maybe just maybe this is a Yonsu team that's that's finding that groove, finding that uh, that way to succeed. Um, Mikko, we've obviously had at the time of recording the first uh, game in this series. Um, my my thoughts overall were well, Yonsu were always likely to play hard and play well against Othgarmo because they have done all season and in the. Um, the Holly SM games as well. But Vimpoli is a different team completely. And I think they'll probably struggle. It's going to be interesting to see Valiaho and um, Temokinen and going head to head as as pitchers. Defense is a pretty pretty good for both teams, but the lack of any consistency in terms of uh, offense from Yonsu is the big decider for me. The first game um, was yesterday, the time of recording this. Um, I was really shocked at how uh, Vimpoli gave up a run in the first inning. This huge wild throw towards second base. Um, but that was pretty much the only flaw from them in the game, really. Uh, Miko, your thoughts? Well, first of all, Joanso was unable to, to uh, like to use any advantage that they may have gotten out of that situation, and instead of that, they managed to like get the two outs themselves from a single situation, and after that, they were like, uh, yeah, I mean, Vimpeli played out of their minds once again and uh, everything worked out. I mean, they, they were just batting so beautifully, to be honest. And, uh, and in general, like uh, the gap between the two teams in the whole game was, it was just huge. I mean, uh, Jansu was there, but they never actually turned up when, when they were like, uh, behind, say, three, four runs. Uh, it's always going to be hard when you're that far uh, away, uh, especially against Wim- Wimpeli. And, 
but yeah, uh, you said it well. The lack of consistency that was the key, and uh, the, that was the thing that separated uh, those two sides. And uh, both pitches played well. There was no significant difference between the two. Demukinonen was very, very good, but I thought that Beliaho was also good. Uh, Irakwazov played a good game as per usual, but other than that, Joensu was like struggling to get anything going. And uh, at times they were able to stop Vimpoli, but uh, but yeah, uh, I think it showed that. I mean the. Once again, the odds for that particular series are or were even before the first game, and now they are even more uh, like biased towards Vimpeli. But uh, before the series, it was something like that Vimpeli would advance uh, four out of five. So it was like the the difference is huge, and we saw that. In regular season, even though Yonso managed to win at home. And that's something that, like you said, we're recording this on Tuesday. Uh, uh, tomorrow is a must win game. And that's like everybody knows that. But but yeah, it's it's going to be interesting which Yonso Myla turns out. The yeah. one that played like played as a unit and were able to freeze out uh, the South Camo offense completely and uh, on occasion also play nice offense but like it was it was still still kind of patchy for me it wasn't like uh, they were not like tearing South Camo apart like uh, so that their offense still needs improvement, like Bill Valiaho said when I interviewed him a couple of days ago. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, I mean, it is uh, the the gap is it, it was just it was it was enormous in the first game. Well, I, I get a sneaking suspicion that uh, Yonsu will will win their next game um, in extra innings, so either Supervor or um, in a scoring contest. But I, I think they'll edge it. I think they'll win. But overall, the series is only going one way. Vimpley will win overall. But I, I don't know. I, I get a I get a sense that maybe just maybe <laughs> Yonsu will just take take uh, the next game. The other talking point from the game, of course, is um, Justus Niemelainen, who um, also doubled up for, for Homina earlier this year. Um, in outfield, very similar situation with uh, Temo Normio earlier on in the season. Fly ball to, to that right field. Going towards the river, he gets the ball in glove from the bounds, but he's got so much energy going through right field, as it were, he goes head first and tumbles into the river. Now, a bit more serious, perhaps, than um, than when Temanurmio did it. I know there was some concern, maybe he's, he's picked up an injury from that. But 
when we talked about the uh, Temunermio dive, we talked about some of the, the jagged or dangerous rocks down there. There is a bit of a conversation on some social media channels saying, well, should they just fence off the river or should they just take the rocks out? Um, you know, you fence it in, you take away a big part of the game, of course. Um, Miko, do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I think that they are taking the rocks away from there, which is it's high time to do that, to be honest, because uh, so far the situation has been that if you need to go to the river from that side, from the second base side, uh, you just cannot jump there. You need to go there like close to the uh, river, which is like... Uh, it's it's pretty low right now because like it has dried up a bit during the summer so uh when we're talking about these rocks that are right at like right at the shore if we can even go call that a river at this time of year but uh the first ones that you're gonna find they are uh from like uh, from 30 centimeters to 50 centimeters uh, diagonally and uh, some of them are pretty sharp too so uh, I mean I know some away team players who have actually injured them before themselves before like trying to jump there from the river bend like one of one one of the uh, players even broke his ankle uh, doing that. So yeah, it is. But the discussion right now that is going on is uh, I, I think that if they are able to do something about the safety. Uh, uh, about the field and the area surrounding that it's all well and good because we all want to see games being played in Sarakenta in the future too that's a given but also uh, Niemelainen was extremely lucky that nothing worse than that happened that he actually ended up pretty much like feet first to the river so he went like a full somersault backwards before falling into the river but uh but yeah we all know the like the worst outcomes that could have come out of that and the players are getting more and more physical. The ball is uh, moving faster and faster. And uh, the room that you actually have there to cover uh, the, the hits before the ball goes <laughs> into the river. It was something that the first time that I played there as an outfielder, I was like, well, this is something else. Because you 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 cannot just stay on the side of the field, or otherwise you're gonna leave the center wide open. But if the ball goes there, you just need to go there like head first, like a, like a football goalie. And 
just hope that the ball hit some part of your body. And still, it, we're talking about like three, four, five meters of space. And then the even then the odds are that you're gonna slide uh, like above uh, beyond the bend. So so yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful place to play Pesapalla. But also, yeah, I'm happy that they're doing some small or and significant improvements to that. Yeah. So my prediction, as I say, is I think maybe Joinsa will will take game two in the series, but ultimately Vimpoli win three one. Uh, Miko, your thoughts? Uh, seeing the fir- having seen the first game, I would be. I mean, I. The only thing that I can say about uh, the series is that it's hard to see how any significant things happening. But but then again, uh, the one thing that we have to take into consideration is that if they if Yazoo actually manages to win game two, then we are in a situation where um, pretty much half of the Vimpeli team have not been playing in the finals and have not won a championship. And they are they were the best team in the regular season by a significant margin, but they have also failed to advance to the finals four times in a row now. So uh, the further Yonsu can take it, the more it becomes a burden. And uh, Yonsu also has, like, okay, a lot of their star players have moved on, but they do have good memories from there and from Vimpeli. And they, if they win game two, then I would, like, be saying that it's not entirely impossible that they would actually get the the away win too. But but yeah, I'm on board with you, three one. So the other uh, semi final in the uh, men's uh, super basis is uh, Monza uh, against the uh, Tarko. Now, Mansa had no difficulty in breezing past uh, Kempeli, as we suspected. And I don't think it really um, inspired the fans in Tampere to turn out much either. Um, their turnout was, was pretty pretty low, actually. Um, Tarko, on the other hand, very different. Uh, they had the stands filled with uh, with people coming to watch their games uh, against KPL and likewise in in Kovla, of course lots of the uh, the Kopla fans making the way across to to Hervinka for those games um they're always <laughs> quite loud um and visible fans i i note especially in the postseason um very different series because Tarko came from a bit of an unexpected position to win. We said it was going to be a bit of a back and fall. Um, in the last podcast, I said this one and the Owen Sioux series were the, the two I thought may cause an upset. 
um, and see the lower ranked sides go through. I didn't expect both of them to do it, but there we go. Um, there's there's something about this taco side that's exciting. It's it's bringing in the fans to the stands. But the big difference between Taco and, and Mansa for me is defence. Now, in Mansa, you've got some top defensive players, very experienced defensive players. I mean, we talk about uh, Thomas Jussela um, being a championship winner on his own. <laughs> um, Portimaki is an excellent pitcher. We know um, Petri Alanen is uh, uh, improving as a pitcher and, and reaching that kind of level, but for me, there's that inconsistency um, there defensively. Their offense doesn't always work too well either, but uh, defensively, that's their biggest problem. And I think um, uh, we had the game earlier today. Um, Tarko, um conceded a run straight away from a, a, a wild throw in the first inning, and that was the first of, of four runs batted in um, there. In fact, you then go go through the innings in the first Yakso, and it was seven runs to nothing before Tarko's offence started getting going um, and put two runs back on the board. Um, slightly less of a gap in the second Yakso, only uh, three runs uh, to one but still a gulf between these two teams, still a huge gap. Um, for me, I think Monza are going to win the series. But I wouldn't be surprised if Taco, like Johan Su, they win a game at home. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. But um, again, I, I, I see this as a bit of one-way traffic and it's going to be Monza Vimpoli in the final. Um, Miko, your thoughts on, on the game and the series? It was a basically a carbon carbon copy of the game that we saw yesterday. So that there was a, it was not just oh it was one sided to be honest. I mean there was never any contest. Uh, the only way that Taco was ever gonna get uh, to that game was that there some one of the chokers or Santopatova would have hit like a home run or some kind of a hit that would have produced several, several runs at once. And uh, and yeah, there's this such a golf and like uh, experience and, uh, and like, you know, like on all parts, of the pitch it's like yeah today's game was like also a thing that it it showed me that monster had been preparing extremely well and once again their top players are at their best when it means uh when it matters the most and that's why i mean i'm also Super interested to see the game on Thursday. Uh, the odds are that, like on that game four against KPL, I would, I will be probably be able to go there to experience that. So, uh, 
it's also a tactical battle, yeah, but it will be decided elsewhere. But I just think that they have like they 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 already have a bit of a like uh, even though Taco won once like on the early stages of the season. Right now, it felt like Monse has a bit of a stranglehold uh, mentally and also tactically and in on every level uh, against Taco. And game two is also Taco's chance. So we're which is rephrasing the thing that we said about the other series and also percentage-wise, we're talking we're talking about like uh, at least four out of five uh, after today, even more. Uh, but uh, but like you said, it's uh, it's a it's a rare thing. It's a good thing to see that uh, two teams out of the top four even make it to the semi-finals and uh, I mean uh, odds wise it was a bit of a coin toss that will one team advance but two teams was something that I I didn't see happening but I just hope that the semi-finals won't just be a phase that we just like go through the motions and then we actually get to play like the games that matter the most because I in 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 both series in game two I am expecting not if if not a capacity crowd uh, something like uh, 2500 or 3000 spectators uh, in both games and like a lot more effort to actually give it all that they've got. Like also mentally that please, please, please attack. Like show that, uh, show the fighting spirit that you actually have inside you, that you have shown previously, that that's, that's what I'm asking from those underdog teams and that's it yeah well like like you say I mean if if both of these teams went 2-0 and down from being at home and then playing away you know Sada Kent is a, a challenging place to play uh, the new Kalpi Stadium is uh, going to be just as difficult I would say for, for Dhaka to, to go to um, you're facing elimination straight off the bat the pressure would be just massive and psychologically that's got to do something so um just in the words your thoughts on the series who's going to win what's the score line going to be in terms of games i'm going three nil months now just a very quick mention um, we also saw the uh, relegation series between Konkampan Maila and uh, Koskan Korva. Uh, no surprises as far as I'm concerned, Koskan Korva winning that. Um, Konkampan didn't play terribly in comparison um, when you look at the, the overall figures, but this was a team that 
pretty much was done um, when we started July. Um, so they sadly leave us. They'll be uh, in Urca Spaces next year. And uh, we're still waiting to see which of the two um, Urca Spaces finalists uh, will join Koskin Korva in the uh, qualification series, whether that's Hamina or, or Ali Yarvi, uh, after today's game four in the series, which was very close, I must say. Um, Ali Yarvi tied the series, so that's going to go to a game five. Um, is there any thoughts you've got on, on the Kankampar um, series, Miko? Uh... Not, uh, not so much. No, I mean, but we're talking about like Kosken uh, Korva Kankampa. Kankampa had their like their chance in the first game. To be honest, I mean, they they had some of the key players back, and they were able to put in like a strong performance, but. They were unable to get that away win, and after that, they were just like, like they showed that they had, they were just like unable to scrape any kind of win, uh, and like like no matter what, and that showed the entire picture of the season. And uh, yeah, it's going to be thrilling to see what's going to happen in the Caspesis finals, which I have also been taking like a close look at. And uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Amina is making them into quite a thriller, to be honest. I mean, <laughs> they, uh, uh, like. In in tennis terms, even though uh, Ron is not here, but they have all already have like two match balls, and uh, and they and they were both like genuine opportunities. That even though like all credit to Alayarabi, like they have also like played well when it matters, but but still. Uh, it's been like looking to me like uh, that right right now Hamina has been they, they have been waiting too much for like the other team to lose instead of scrapping the whole situation by the neck and getting themselves like over the finish line and now it's <laughs> Now it's anybody's guess what's going to happen, and uh, and yeah, I watched the game also today, and uh, it was the the ending of the game, like the previous game, was uh, yeah, it was it was thrilling. But if you're a Hamina fan, for all the wrong reasons, so so yeah, let's see. So that'll do it for the first half of the podcast. Um, we'll be uh, coming back after the break and taking a, a quick tour through the women's uh, postseason so far.
Okay, so uh, welcome back. Uh, we're now shifting over from the men's superpaces over through to the women's superpaces. And Mika, we we saw pretty much what we expected in most of the first round uh, games. Um, first of all, Mansa never really endowed against Tarko. I mean, we we said Tarko were sort of unexpectedly pushed up into that eighth uh, spot um, at the very end of the season. Um, Lapo, on the other hand, they saw off a challenge from Senioki. It was a bit more of a surprise to some that Lapo um, won the win the series. In the last podcast, I thought Lapo would edge it. Um but uh, yeah, so far in the series between uh, Mansa and Lapua, we've seen uh, the away sides win <laughs> each time. So uh, in the opening game, Lapua grabbed the victory, and that was quite an interesting result. But of course, then Mansa comes straight back in game two. Um, is this going to be an interesting semi-final, or are we going to see Mansa now just start to to pull away? That's a good question, <laughs> because who would have thought? I mean, it, this is a scoring contest, and so it's anybody's guess what's going to be happening. Uh, look, uh, Mons and Lapua, they have played each other four times this season, and in the in those four games, a total of 72 runs have been scored, which is like 18 per game. So <laughs> they're like it, it's a shootout. It's an it's a, it's an absolute shootout, and uh, because we know like the capacity that Jonathan Lepister and the whole. Uh, Lapua team possesses and we have been talking for two years about their capability of uh, like striking anybody out in a in a total shootout. Now that Monte is struggling with like they have been struggling with their pitching for example uh, yeah I mean it can be open but still, I see that winning the game two was the, the game two, uh, the Super Bowl there, where Lapua won. Uh, sorry, they, they didn't win, but in Super Bowl, they scored a run and then went to the outfield. And Monster were able to score two to tie up the series. So that was. For me, that was probably the turning point of that particular series. And uh, like I said the last time that I was expecting the series uh, between Lapua and Senayoki to go to go to game five and Senayoki advancing. And each of those four games went to either Superboro or to a scoring contest. And Senayoki was actually on top of some of those games. But in the end, they were unable to like 
once again step up a bit and uh, scrape themselves like forward. And uh, yeah, uh, but in the semifinal, it's uh, I think it's it's monsters to lose. I would put it that way, but it can turn out to be an interesting one. Yeah. Well, the momentum of of winning game two um, and going back home for that game three is, is a big, uh, big win for, for Mansa. And uh, like you say, it, it is a bit of a turning point. Um, to put the 72 runs you talk about in context, uh, Roy Huteret only scored 78 runs themselves for the entire of the regular season. Okay, so... That's how intense this this kind of uh, set of games is. If you want to go and see runs, then watch these games because you will uh, see them by the dozen and you'll probably see them in extra innings scoring contests and so on as well. Um, for me, I agree. I think Munster are going to win the series. I'd probably go as far as to say uh, 3-1, but I wouldn't be surprised if it goes 3-2. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, it is pretty much uh, whoever's going to um, hit the ball hardest, whoever's going to score the most runs and come out on top, because that's pretty much all it is in this. It's, uh, the uh, the Munster side are, are perhaps on top of all of that, just a little bit more that, than Lapua. Um, moving, of course, then to the other first round games, uh, we saw Pori um, defeat Vasa. We didn't necessarily expect Vasa to to win any games maybe edge one but this is a, a pory team that are uh, well oiled they know what they're doing they won the championship last year um and Vasa well it was their first season in superbasis so their fairy tale season comes to an end uh, for now but i i suspect that they're incredibly pleased with with just getting that far to be honest, being there and, and making that presence felt. Um, it was a joy to be there and, and we'll see you next year sort of thing. Um, Kiritaret didn't look that troubled by uh, Ferrer uh, from Rauma. Um, Ferrer only scored two runs during the whole of that series, um, which really tells you something about how Kiritaret are sort of tightening uh, Tightening up defensively, I suppose. Um, but now, of course, we see Kiritret and Pori facing off uh, in the semi-final, and um, yeah, we've we've reached a point now where um, Kiritret are two nothing up, uh, going back to Pori potentially to knock them out. Now, this is the team that um, that lost to Pori in the final last year. Um, they went through some very difficult times in the off-season, even through Haleasem and, and the early parts of this season. Are Kiritaret now saying, no, we put that behind us and we're, we're going for it? It looks that way, yeah. I mean, when I, when I took a look at their uh, defence, it feels like it's like, it's been okay. It's been organized uh, for for decades or so. But uh, 
Now, even though they had to change game manager and so on, like we have discussed a lot, and they have been in the headlines for all the wrong reasons for a long time, but like uh, in terms of their performances, they've been pretty much like flying on, under the radar the whole season. And now that now it feels like the players are like sharing, taking responsibility. Remember that this is like a, this team, this 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 team and this organization, this franchise. They have won like numerous championships, even in the like like the last five years and they have the same players in their team and last year they were the biggest championship favorite uh, like in 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 at least 10 years and so and not a lot has changed to be honest like it's just now that there's uh, this young game manager, hugely analytical Matthias Kitola, a devoted Cincinnati Bengals fan, by the way. But he's he's doing his job like 24-7 and throwing in some emotion. And it's also feeling like that the pitcher, Mari Montanen, is really on top of her game right now. And uh, also the more... Like the outfield is in, they're they're finding their like rhythm, and it's like, uh, and it is also one thing. It's in, it's been interesting to see that, uh, they're being like, Kiritaret uh, uh, has been the team that, like in. In in Spain, they would be called like uh, the they're like the black team, so that they're hoodoo team, so to say. So it's been it's been one of those insurmountable things for uh, for Bore for years and years to edge over Kiritare, and it's it's hugely interesting. They, this year, uh, the once again in the situations where, um, like, they they faced each other four times this season, and Kiritaret has they have won each and every one of those four games, and they've gone to Pore twice and won twice without going to uh, Super Bowl or all the scoring contests. And it was interesting that after the first semifinal, which uh, Kiritare came from behind and won, uh, like uh, in the later stages of the game, getting runs from players that you do not normally expect them from, like uh, numbers nine, one, and two, batting in the decided being runs. And uh, so the the press in uh, around Pore said they were like putting in headlines that uh, now 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 that like lock the hoodoo is back on that 
like now Kiritaret is again that team that is it's that old like uh, yeah the old thing has come back but close games but two oh in best out of five series close games and all that uh, it's it's easy to say that it's like the the scale is heavily tipped towards Gerritarek right now. Hmm. Well, I originally thought that maybe this was going to be a bit of a, an interesting series, maybe a bit of a 3-2, uh, a go all the way to game five. Um, probably poorly would edge it just, just about. Um, but now I'm thinking I, I can't see getting past game three I mean they, they can do it but like you say this kind of hoodoo that oh all of a sudden somebody is going to get the right bounce the right point and Kiritret will win and that's that's it and that's that's the series over um, but we'll see we'll see how it goes it's uh, to come back from 2-0 and down in a series will mean that um, Puri will have to win three games on the trot against Kiritret, something they haven't done. Um, I, I haven't looked at the, the stats going back over the years, but I can't imagine they've done it any time in the last decade. Um, three in a row. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see how that goes. Yeah, yeah, it's... Uh... We'll see how it goes, but it still needs to be like remembered that the gap in in those games that I, I watched the I watched those games uh, and uh, the difference is still very very marginal between those two teams, and uh, and we also need to. Um, Remember and take a look at the, the like the main batters of this body side. They, they they have two chokers that are main, largely responsible of like batting in the decisive runs, and so far they have been able to like they have had twenty one tries combined in two games which is a, like a huge number and out of those four have been successful and when we're talking about like the one or two runs decide it's still like, like if they are able to pre- still produce those kind of numbers for those jokers um, even though it's, it's still uh, all, all the credit to Kiritaret for playing that well against them, but but still, uh, I think that tactically they need to, or they will improve a bit. But uh, I'm I'm still saying that this will go to game five. Well, when it came to the relegation series, we saw a little bit of a, a surprise in that um, Roy Huteret managed to uh, pull themselves back from being 1-1 in the series to uh, win the series 3-1 against Pertua. 
and um, therefore Porto are, uh, are now relegated. Roy Huteret will face either uh, Hamina or, or Lapayarvi uh, from the women's Zirkus Pesis sides, whoever of those uh, loses their series. Um, we talked about uh, Roy Huteret's change of game manager um, towards the end of the season, and this was a bit of laying some groundwork for the post-season, the the uh, relegation series and hopefully then the qualification series. Are we seeing this uh, Roy Huteret side now working much better and do you think their chances of staying up are, are now increased? Uh, they have been increased and they are like... Uh... They, they gained so much confidence out of that series. And in all honesty, they, they, they have like still the, the, the gap between them and the side that loses the uh, finals of the Ykkospecies. In both men's and women's side, uh, the gap is actually quite significant, to put it politely. So I would, I would say that looking, taking a look at Prohuta right now, uh, they're not as, like, as good as safe now, but and but still they are. I think that the position has enhanced quite a bit lately. Hmm. Well, again, uh, the Urkospecies uh, Women's Series hasn't actually started yet, due to start uh, tomorrow, having recorded this on Tuesday. Um, so we'll wait and see uh, how those things progress there as well. Um, but that'll just about do it for uh, this episode, this kind of walk through <laughs> the postseason so far. Um, next uh, episode, of course, we'll be looking in depth and seeing how things shape up for the men's and women's finals. Um, but that'll just about do it, as I say. So uh, thank you very much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed listening. Uh, if you have, then please like or subscribe. Um, please comment. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, if you want to know more about me and, and the sport and the things I write, then please do uh, like or uh, subscribe anything on the blog. Uh, that's uh, superpessisroundup.wordpress.com. You can also see me writing occasionally for Hamina's uh, website uh, in English as well, and occasionally for Poltolinia as well. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at superpessisr, and also on Facebook. Um, but uh, for now, thank you very much, uh, Mikko Pirhonen. Thank you. Always a pleasure and looking forward to the next episode because now we're in the thick of things. Hmm. Well, maybe we'll be able to get one of the um, one of the high-ranking <laughs> umpires we talked about at the top of the show if they've not got anything else to do at the moment. Um, but there we are. Uh, and of course, from me, Ian Alba, we'll see you soon. Hidden far away